Welcome to Live Free Church. We're a church that's passionate about reaching people at all costs. Here you can find all our recent sermons. We are so glad that you joined us today. We want people to live free lives ultimately found in Jesus because we believe that free people, free people. Hey, welcome to Live Free Church. My name is Levi. Um, and if you've been with us for the past little bit here, you know we're going through the series of Acts and we're talking about, um, Colby's been speaking about the empowerment of the Spirit and the promise of the Spirit in that Jesus has promised it to his disciples. And then last week, if you were listening, David was talking about prayer and he's talking about God's will, kind of deciphering what that looks like. And these apostles are just, they're there in this house, there's probably about 120 people who are following Jesus. But the 12 disciples, these apostles, they're picking someone new. They're showing us how we can be in prayer and looking for God's will. But that's kind of where we're left off. And Jesus has said, stay in Jerusalem. The Spirit will be upon you, and it's going to be coming. And they're just waiting now. They're just sitting there. They're waiting. Um, And this is kind of bringing us into Acts 2, 1 to 13. And this is what it says. When the day of Pentecost had arrived, they were all together in one place. Suddenly, a sound like that of a violent rushing wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were staying. They saw tongues like flames of fire that separated and rested on each one of them. Then they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in different tongues as the Spirit enabled them. So, first things first, if you're anything like me, you confuse these celebrations. Pentecost is a celebration. It's not Passover. Okay, those are different. Um, My wife and I had this conversation where we both have said, yeah, we've made that mistake. But Pentecost comes after Passover. And the context of Pentecost is it's a celebration. um, It's of first fruits. And thousands and thousands of people would come from around the region to Jerusalem. They would come together and they would celebrate this um, harvest, the celebration of first fruits. And Pentecost Penta means 50. So this is 50 days after Passover. And I was reading some of N.T. Wright's thoughts on Pentecost and the meaning of it and sort of this, the background of it. And it was, there was this really cool compare and contrast. And the Bible often runs in these parallels, right? So we're looking at the Old Testament. And the Old Testament is foreshadowing the New Testament. There's the prophecies. Um, David talked about a prophecy last week. And when we looked at the person of Moses... And we are comparing him to Jesus. The compare contrast of these two people, how Moses was foreshadowing who Jesus was going to be, right? Because Moses, he led the Israelites out of Egypt, out of slavery. He was God's chosen person to lead this nation. And he's actually one of the people in the Old Testament that we see who has the Spirit on him. We don't see many people with it, but we know that he is one of them. And then if you compare that with Jesus, Jesus is leading the people in the New Testament. He's leading people in his gospel message, his kingdom message, that there's this new kingdom. It's no longer just the Jews, the Israelites, who are chosen by God. But there's these new people, this new kingdom that he's bringing. And what's cool is it's on Pentecost when Moses goes up Mount Sinai and he encounters God. He brings down the law. He brings these commandments and these separated the Israelites further, right? They, they weren't like the rest of the world. They were separated for God. And this, these commandments were what made them right with God. They, 
had to sacrifice, and it was kind of the atonement representation and how they could be in relationship with God. Jesus is different, though. When Jesus is on this earth, he lives, he's teaching, he dies, but he's resurrected. And then he comes back to life, and he's telling people um, about his kingdom, this new kingdom that's involving all of us still today. We're still preaching this kingdom. As Colby said, we're witnessing to the work that Jesus did to this kingdom. But when he goes up to heaven and he's reunited with his father, we believe in this triune God, but that's a conversation for another time. But the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and that's what we're talking about. It was on Pentecost when the Spirit came. It's on Pentecost when Jesus goes up, and then the Spirit comes after he said, wait for my Spirit to his disciples in Jerusalem. See, Moses brought these laws, these rules, these regulations, and not that they were oppressive, but they weren't freedom for these Israelites They were expectations of how they made themselves right with God. But Jesus brings his spirit. He brings this freedom, this empowerment we've been talking about. And this is the first representation of that. Pentecost, this harvest festival. You know, I love that David leaves us with the apostles just waiting, right? They're just sitting there. They've made their choice of who's going to replace Judas, And Jesus said, wait for my spirit. And now, I don't know if you've ever been on a trip. I've personally been um, blessed to be able to travel at my young age. And I've been to places like Germany and Bali with my wife on a honeymoon. But when I'm going to somewhere new, when I'm anticipating, um, I'm thinking about so many things. I'm I'm looking forward to what I'm going to experience in this new culture. The sights, the smells, the people, the sounds. I feel like our our trips often alter our lives more than the Spirit does. But these disciples, they're sitting there in prayer, looking for the will of God, anticipation, expectation. They know what's going to come. It's the Spirit. And they've seen the Spirit move a little bit in the person of Jesus. They've seen his miracles. They've seen it come. And when Jesus was baptized, the Spirit came onto him. But they don't really understand what that's going to be like. They don't know the culture of the Spirit. They don't know what it's going to do to them, how it's going to feel. Where are they going to move? What are they going to do? How is it going to empower them? How is it going to comfort them? The Spirit was coming, and they had this expectation. They were waiting for it. And it says, suddenly, like a sound like that of a violent rushing wind, it's just a sound. It's not actually a wind. It's a representation. The Spirit filled the whole house where they were staying. The Spirit came suddenly. It wasn't anything these apostles did that brought the Spirit. And I'm not saying you shouldn't pray for the Spirit. I'm not saying you shouldn't expect it because that's what I think they were doing. They were there anticipating this work, anticipating that it's going to be coming. But suddenly the Spirit comes and it alters their reality. It alters their life. It changes who they are. It brings these gifts. It empowers them. And we experience God in so many different ways. And I love that this rushing wind is filling the house. And it's, it's shaking the house. I can just imagine like looking down my street and, oh, Stacy's got, got a tornado coming over her house. Thousands of people gathered because of this. It wasn't just some usual event. It altered them. And we see God in many ways. We see the tongues of fire that fell on them. We see the burning bush that... Moses encountered God in. 
And we see a pillar of fire that we've seen God in these different ways. And the Spirit brought a huge crowd. There was a point and purpose here for the sudden expectation of the Spirit. Because when it comes, it shakes Jerusalem. People are woken up. These disciples are filled with other tongues, these gifts. And this is just one. This is one representation of gifts. There's lots of gifts out there. You could be an amazing host, and that's a gift from the Spirit. You could be an amazing teacher, shepherd, whatever it is, you love people well. But I can almost guarantee, almost guarantee, my life included, that the Spirit hasn't moved so radically that you've gathered thousands of people in front of you so that you can witness to who God was. And I'm not talking about your anti-mask rallies that you're attending, claiming that Jesus has you there because he doesn't, okay? That is not the Spirit moving you to those places. The Spirit moves you to places where you're representing who God is, his kingdom, and what Jesus did on this earth. He comes, he shakes up these people, this house, this city. And it continues on in the passage um, in verse 5. And it says, there's some funny words in this, so bear with me. Now there were Jews staying in Jerusalem, devout people from every nation under heaven. When the sound occurred, a crowd came together and was confused, because each one of them heard them speaking in his own language. They were astounded and amazed, saying, Look, aren't all these who are speaking Galileans? How is it that each of us can hear them in our own native language? And I think that verse is really funny. And I was talking to Colby about this, that it's almost like they're just having a conversation. Like, oh, can you, can you hear him in your language? Oh, you can hear me speak? Like, you know, something like that. And he was saying that he's heard things like, it's, oh, maybe it was a reverse Tower of Babel. You know, Tower of Babel where God separated their languages. But maybe when the Spirit comes, it brings this unification. This unification of the body of Christ where there's these different tribes who've been separated for so many years, hundreds of years, but they come together for these celebrations And the Spirit brings them together so they can communicate and they can hear them speaking in their own languages. And these are all the people who came, the Parthians, the Medes, the Lamites, those who live in Mesopotamia and Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, and parts of Libya near Serene. Visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts, and converts are um, people who've seen Jesus in his life and believed him to be the Christ. Cretans and Arabs, we hear them declaring the magnificent acts of God in our own tongues. They were all astounded and perplexed, saying to one another, What does this mean? But some sneered and said, They're drunk on new wine. So the Spirit's here now. The apostles had expectation. They were waiting, praying, looking for the will. The will of God to move in their life, and they knew the Spirit was coming. They didn't know what that looks like just like me or you experiencing a different culture and how that's going to change you. They they didn't know the spiritual culture yet. It hasn't inflicted them yet, but it's come. It brought power. It brought them gifts. They could speak in these different languages, and there's many more gifts of the Spirit. But a key thing was the point of the Spirit. And Colby's kind of talked about this a little bit, but In verse 11, it says, We hear them declaring the magnificent acts of God in our own tongues. There was a point. There was a purpose. The Spirit doesn't come at random. It doesn't just do some random stuff with a few people. The apostles in all these languages to all the tribes who just come together for this one festival 
were telling of the magnificent acts of God. And I'm sure those things included the stuff that God did through Israel. I'm 100% sure they were talking about Jesus, his life, his death, his resurrection. And I'm sure they were also telling about their new experience. Their experience with the Spirit, how the Spirit's here, how this promised Spirit that Jesus said is going to come has now inflicted their lives. They've received these gifts. I'm sure they were talking about that. The culture of the Spirit, they were probably talking about what they expected and what's happening. It was probably captivating, thousands of people listening. But how is the Spirit, it's so evident right now in this passage, back then, the first representation of it to all people. How is that spirit still available today? And that same spirit is still at work today. And we talk about that spirit a lot. And I think many people's lives, and mine included, we go on our day-to-day and we're content just knowing, yeah, I'm a Christian, but we don't look for the movement of the spirit. We don't necessarily desire to be moved by the spirit. And David last week was asking this question. And it's a great question. When was the last time you prayed? That's so simple. And not just praying to get something out of God. Not just praying because you feel depressed today. Not just praying because your feelings were hurt throughout your work day. But praying because you just want to be in the presence of God. And I'm asking you a similar question. When was the last time that you looked for the Spirit? And I think prayer is an amazing place to do that. Prayer is the place where we can ask God to move us. Where we can ask the Spirit to give us that comfort. Where we can expect that comfort. Expect to be moved. Anticipate the moving in of our spirit. You know, a simple thing of like when the Spirit comes. And people are wondering, how does this change my life? My day-to-day life. And here's a simple representation from Galatians 5, 16 to 25. This is Paul talking to Christians. And this is what he says, if you have the Spirit. If you believe that Jesus is resurrected and we can be made right with God, if you believe that gospel message, then this is what the Spirit is going to do to your life. I say then, in verse 16, Galatians 5, 16, I say then, walk by the Spirit, and you will certainly not carry out the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is against the Spirit, and the Spirit desires what is against the flesh. Those who are opposed to each other so that you don't do what you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law, Now, the works of the flesh are obvious, and I find that also funny. Your works of the flesh are obvious. So if you're ever wondering, hmm, is this from the Spirit? Like, you already know. Stop asking those questions. They're obvious. Sexual immorality, moral impurity, promiscuity, adultery, sorcery, hatred, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambitions, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, carousing, and anything similar. Anything similar in your life, those are not of the Spirit, and that is obvious. And we know that, and I know I have those things in my life as well. And he says, I'm warning you about these things as I warned you before, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. I love that the Spirit comes with power. And it's moving these disciples to preach the word of God, to preach the acts of God to these thousands of people, but Paul later on saying, if you are all these things, you have not inherited the kingdom of God. He's questioning your salvation, essentially. If you continue on in these things in your right mind, you are not inheriting the kingdom of God because here's what he says about the Spirit. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. That's what the Spirit does when it comes into your life. It changes you. It moves you. 
comes with power. And I like this initial, when we kind of read about the Spirit, and I think the King James talks about it, but when it talks about the Spirit, it says it's our comforter. And I find comfort in these things. Comfort that I don't need to be angry. I don't need to be jealous. Think I'm the most righteous person because I can have these things, the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. Like, that is the person you are going to be looking like when the Spirit comes on you. And this is a very practical change that the Spirit makes in your life. It's going to empower you and bring you these gifts. We need anticipation and expectation for it. But it's also going to change you. It's going to change how you live. We're going to change our work. We're going to change our relationships, our alone time, our thoughts, how we speak of people when they're not around and when they are around, how we view ourselves in this world. And it goes on in the passage. It says, Now those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with his passions and desires. And if we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. I love the end of this passage. This visual of stepping with the Spirit. Stepping where the Spirit wants us. Stepping into the places where the Spirit can use us. And that is a question I have for you, is how are you stepping into those places? How are you using what the Spirit has gifted you with, tongues in this case, but there's many, to step into the places where you're telling of the magnificent acts of God? God created us to participate in his work, and I've been reading this book. um, It's by Timothy Keller. We talk about him a lot, I know. Um, But it's called Every Good Endeavor, and it's talking about our work and who we're created to be. We're created to participate with God. He tells Adam, name all these animals. Adam and Eve, cultivate this land. Create culture. Build something that's worthy of God. Participate with him. You know, every day we're making these decisions. These decisions on what we're going to do, what we're going to eat. Unconscious and conscious. And you should be happy that I unconsciously get dressed in the morning, take a shower, whatever. Maybe you brush your teeth. But there's these conscious decisions we make, and they're, they're harder ones to make. Because the more conscious time that we spend cultivating a spiritual awareness, the more our initial vision will shift to Jesus. And that conscious decision will eventually become unconscious where you're in step with the Spirit now. He's empowering you to move with his gifts. You're anticipating he's going to move. You're expecting he's going to move. You're looking for moving. As David said, go to prayer to be in the presence of God. You'll be in prayer looking for the moving of the Spirit in your life. The more we create a conscious expectation of the Spirit, the more we're going to experience it. And I, I've met people and I've felt myself, even just this past year, over the past couple of years, like, I'm not chosen. I'm not moved by the Spirit. I don't feel it. I don't have that feeling. I just want to say you're wrong. If you've said that Jesus is your Savior, He said, my Spirit is upon you. The Comforter's with you. He's keeping step with you. He wants you to move into those places because he has called you to be following the Spirit. And you look at everybody else and you say, well, they are Spirit-led. They're blessed. They have, they have everything. They follow God. Or they follow God and they have so much. But where's mine? Where's my blessing? And I promise you that God is calling you. He wants you to step into the places where he can use you. 
It took me stepping into Kelowna to truly experience the Spirit. And I have said I'm a believer for however many years of my life. 18 years I've said I believe in Jesus, but did I really? Until I've actually stepped into the places where the Spirit can use me. Stepped into the places where I can feel that empowerment, but also stepped into places where I might fail, but I can feel that comfort. Take time and slow your life. Settle your thoughts. Allow clarity to take control and quit numbing the Spirit's leading. It's there. In your workplace, if there's something that you know you could step into, you know where God could use you, you could speak of the magnificent acts of God in someone's life, and you're numbing that because you're choosing your will. You're choosing easy. Take time to prioritize your life around where the Spirit has you. Quit numbing that leading. Know where God is placing you. When you're in prayer and you're looking for the will of God, you're going to know when you're in the will of God. You're going to know that you're being used by God and that your life is focused and orientated on how he wants to move you with his spirit, with the gifts that he has, with our anticipation that he's going to work. In the very end of Acts, Acts 2.13, it says, but some sneered and said they're full of new wine. And that sounds like Kelowna to me. I don't know. You guys got wineries. You guys got tons of new wine flowing everywhere. It's basically just have it on tap in the city somewhere, I'm sure. I don't know. But just disengage with the spirit because you think it's unorthodox or it's uncomfortable or it's strange or it's weird or you don't think it could have power. You don't think it could comfort. You don't think it could bring you gifts. You don't think it could help you reach people. Don't disengage because you think it's unorthodox that it can't move you. They're full of new wine, but they weren't. They're were full of the Spirit. Maybe that's kind of what it looks like. The Spirit brings a celebration, brings purpose. And in the end of that Galatians passage, it says we're in step. We're keeping in step, and we're stepping where the Spirit has us. And that is why the Spirit came. That is why Jesus went to heaven and said, my Spirit will be with you, because we're now, as Colby said, witnessing to what Jesus did. But we are in step with his Spirit. We're not left here alone, because that would be a disaster. We would suck at this. And we do suck at this sometimes. We suck at loving people all the time. Do you know why the Spirit is here? To keep us in step. To keep stepping with us. It pulls us up when we fail. It shows us love when we need that comfort. We can rely on the Spirit for that. When we're tripping, when we're falling, the Spirit is stepping for us. I love it, the Spirit, how it comes with passion. It came with this passion, this violent wind, and it shook up the house. And sometimes I feel like that's a representation of our lives. The Spirit just wants to shake our lives to wake us up. But we're like treating him like the awkward house guest saying, no, don't go in that door. Don't look at this. That's kind of weird. But he wants everything. He wants to shake your whole life with passion to tell of who God is and what he's done in your life. He comes with grace. Because we're failing all the time, but he keeps stepping. So we aren't demoralized. He gives us gifts and renews our character Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, all these things. Is that not the type of person you would want in your life? So why aren't you that if you have the Spirit? Ask yourself that question. He renews our character, renews our purpose, renews our depth of our life. And I just want to encourage you this week. Take some time. Look at these apostles and what they did. David talked about the prayer. 
looking for the will of God. Colby said, Jesus promised this spirit. It's going to empower us, and these apostles were waiting for it. They were expecting it. They didn't know that culture. They didn't know how to step into it. They didn't know what that experience was going to be. But in step with the Spirit as it's pulling us along, pushing us forward, we can be in spots where we're used by God, be in spots where we're pointing to His magnificent acts. Just like the apostles were waiting, just be expectant. I want to challenge you, be expectant of how the Spirit's going to move in your life. When we participate with God and our work is connected with him and our lives are connected with him and we're aware of this spirit who has power, we're aware of this spirit who has comfort, who renews us, the depth and the purpose of our lives will only deepen. We'll only understand more of how we can love others, understand more of how we use our gifts for God, for the spirit, and we look for that leading. And we can anticipate that our lives will be used when we're stepping into those spaces where we can be used. Let's pray. God, I thank you that we can anticipate that you're going to move through your spirit and that you want to tell of your magnificent acts, God. That you've brought us gifts and tongues here, but so many gifts. Gifts that further us in this life, further your kingdom, further our awareness of you. And I just pray that we acknowledge those and we acknowledge that when the Spirit comes in our life, we're renewed. We're renewed people with character, with a depth of character that oftentimes we don't see in this world and that we can anticipate your moving and your loving. And that anticipation would be throughout our lives, through everything, our relationships, our work. And that in that, we'll step into this world ready to speak of you, ready to follow the Spirit and ready to experience its power. Amen. Thanks for listening today. Please subscribe to our podcast. Share with your friends. We would love for you to join our movement. All you have to do is go to livefree.church to join us.